Making more sales doesn't have to be hard. In fact, what it comes down to is just making an effort to sound like yourself. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life, hello music school and law school, but none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Sales is just one of those topics that makes me cringe because I have never felt like I'm a salesperson. I'm surrounded by salespeople. My husband's a salesperson. My parents, you know, have a business and, and a physical product and that, so they're in sales and my sister's in sales and, and it's just not something that's ever felt like it comes naturally to me. So naturally, when I thought of wanting to talk to someone who is an expert in that arena, I wanted to bring in my friend Emily Conley because she is a copywriter. And if you're not familiar, copywriting is all about using words to make sales. And Emily is super passionate about about using the power of your own unique voice to make sales. You know, you don't need flashy sales pages. You don't need to make it complicated. You just really need to let your core values and your personality guide you. So in this episode, we're going to hear about the key to making sales, how you find your voice, common trip ups that Emily sees, and why your strengths and your quirks and the things that you wanna hide are actually so important. And those are the things that bring your people to you. But first, a little bit more about Emily. Emily Conley is the owner and lead copywriter at Emily Writes Well. Her superpower is turning the skill, value, and chaos in a business owner's mind and heart into clear, compelling copy that attracts their dream clients. Emily has been writing personality-filled, effective websites, sales pages, and email sequences for fabulous clients since 2019. When she's not working her word magic, you'll find Emily reading a good book or planning her next travel adventure with her family. And she does a lot of travel adventures, and I love seeing all of that content on her social media. But before we get into my interview with Emily, here is your Holistic Somatic History lesson, this time on Echinacea. Echinacea is a North American native plant, sometimes called a cone flower, and it's part of the daisy family. Echinacea is also a deer-resistant plant. According to the American Botanical Council, samples of Echinacea have been found in archaeological digs of Lakota Sioux village sites from the 1600s. For hundreds of years, Native Americans have used Echinacea for healing various ailments from snake bites to sore throats. Fun fact, its roots taste salty, so it's sometimes nicknamed the thirst plant and was historically taken to help a person's thirst subside when there was no water around. Now, if you've ever had a cold, you might take an echinacea supplement or drink echinacea tea to try and help you fight the cold. And echinacea has been shown to stimulate the immune system. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, I learned from an herbologist that 
while echinacea can stimulate the immune system, if you're already coming down with something, you also need something else to kind of act to fight the virus or bacteria or whatever ails you. Hope you enjoyed that history lesson on echinacea. Now enjoy my conversation with Emily Conley. Hi, Emily Conley. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. And I would love for people to hear kind of who you serve and how it is that you got to being a copywriter. Yeah. So as a copywriter, um, I write the words that sell things, right? So essentially copy sometimes can be a little confusing, but any words you use to sell on websites, sales pages, emails, that kind of stuff. That's what I do. And I work primarily with creative women, Um, not exclusively, but that's pretty much my like main client base, just women who are either solopreneurs or have smaller teams, typically anywhere from like six months into business to like 10 years plus. So really a wide variety. I get bored very easily. And so I, um, yeah, I haven't like, I've had a lot of coaches tell me I need to like, you know, niche down more. Um, but I found I've niched really through how I offer my services um, and like the type of copy that I write instead of like an actual industry. So it's all very personality driven. That's really my um, specialty is like helping people tap into their unique voice and use their authentic personality to sell. Um, so yeah. Um, that's who I serve and what I do. Um, I got here in like the weirdest way possible, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) the long and short of it is I had been living in Australia with my husband. I had a baby while I was living there. We moved back to the U S when she was 10 weeks old. So I had a brand new baby. I was a first time mom and I had no job because I had just changed continents. (laughs) And um, I fell into, I've written, I've always been a writer. Um, That's kind of what I've done. I studied journalism and PR in college. Um, I have a master's degree in literature. So I love writing and nerdy things. Um, Yeah, I don't know. My daughter was like 18 months old and I was like, you know, Never pictured myself as a stay-at-home mom. Um, never really pictured myself as a mom. That's a whole other story for another time. <laughs> but um, I was like, I want something, you know? Like, I loved being home with her, and I didn't want to give that up, but I I needed a creative outlet. And so I became a freelance writer for a bridal magazine. Um, and Ooh. I, yeah, like, totally random connection from college, like, um. Chicago style weddings was this like wedding magazine and I started writing a blog for them and then I kind of expanded and started doing all kinds of cool stuff and really fell into the world of like copy I guess accidentally um really but I did that for about a year and then they were being acquired by another magazine so my like freelance position was gonna be no longer available and I was like well I guess I gotta go find my own clients and that's what I did and you did I did Yes. I've always been so fascinated with copywriting. Well, not always, but in the last few years, especially I, I worked two or three years ago with a very specific, um, quiz, quiz funnel copywriter. Yes. Um, that was her specialty. And we, it was kind of like a done with you kind of thing. 
And so we would go through what I had written and she'd change little words. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like Jedi, like mind trick kind of stuff, how you're changing the language. And it's just so, so interesting. Like a little bit of psychology, a little bit, definitely the personality, like you said. Um, so it's so interesting to me. Yeah, I think I find it fascinating. Um, it is really fun. And I will say it's so much easier to do for other people than for yourself. <laughs> so, so many of my clients will actually like when we're talking, they're like, I didn't want to reach out because like, I'm a really good writer. And I would say most of my clients, not all, but most of them are like, enjoy writing and are talented, right? They're, they're good at writing. Um, but it's such a different form of writing. And then I've also found like, when you have to write about something that you hold so closely in your business, it's really challenging to see from inside to see all the value you provide. We take so much for granted that we do. And we're like, oh, well, that's no big deal. And to other, to our clients and our audience, like it's a huge deal. So it is a lot harder to write for yourself, um, yes. for other people. So I always find my, like my job is is joyful and like creative and mostly I like love it. And then when I have to do it for myself, I'm like, no wonder people outsource this. This is terrible. <laughs> There's a saying in my profession that only uh, um, the lawyer who represents herself has a fool for a client or something like that. Basically <laughs> like you should never represent yourself in court. And so, but I feel like it's the same kind of, you know, because when it's you, you don't see the loopholes and you don't see like your vulnerabilities. I would think it's similar with copywriting. Like if you're writing for yourself, you think you might think, you know, what your client sees or hears or whatever, but you're not really in your client's shoes. So you need someone like you to come in and help you with those, those words and that tone and all of that good juicy stuff. Yes, absolutely. I think there are a lot of similarities. Luckily in the world of copy, typically like, you know, the stakes are a little lower than legal representation. <laughs> well, yes, a little bit, <laughs> a little different. <laughs> so when we're thinking about making sales, I mean, what is, I, 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 I assume it has a lot to do with voice. It, it does. And in a way that's different than I think a lot of people think of it. So yeah, tell us. I think everyone can probably like describe their brand voice. Like most business owners, right? If they've been doing this for like a few months, you've been told to have this ideal client avatar or whatever, this target audience person. I don't, but that's not my jam. But anyway, but like <laughs> you're supposed to know who you're speaking to, and you're supposed to have this brand voice. And most people can describe that to you. Like I have my brand voice is X, Y, and Z. Um, the truth is most people don't consistently actually use that voice, especially when it comes to sales. There is a thing that happens and I have found this happens more to women, which is really unfair, <laughs> very frustrating, but it's just a fact. I've, I, it happens to everyone. I think women tend to even struggle with this more, but when it comes to selling, we get very in our heads about it. We have a lot of feelings and people tend to default to this really like generic way of speaking when they're selling things like on sales pages or in sales emails. And so even if you have a really strong brand voice, when you show up on Instagram stories, when you start actively selling like a hard sell or whatever you want to call it, 
that tends to shift and people kind of drop and lose their brand voice. And there's so many sales pages where it's just industry jargon and these like meaningless phrases and word salad where you're like, what does this mean? <laughs> like, no what are salad. you saying? <laughs> and I see them from people who I'm like, you have a very strong brand. Like I, you know, this is a person I know and like, you've got a great voice, but you're not using it to sell. And I found there's like a really distinct disconnect um that happens so yeah I think your voice is incredibly important um when it comes to selling but actually showing up and using that brand voice that you put the time into like uncovering and knowing and like using other places but keeping that really consistent when you're selling wait so I'm curious what's your beef with like the ideal client avatar Okay. So <laughs> this is probably a me problem. Um, so I actually, I think a lot of what we do, a lot of what is taught with like identifying your audience is comes from like brick and mortar business plans that actually don't really apply. Like so many people I meet, like put a lot of time into like, where does she shop? Where does she buy her clothes? Like they're building this, like, what are the demographics? And for a large majority of people in the online business space, that stuff doesn't matter. And it doesn't actually tell you anything. Like I'm not building a shop. Like I don't care where someone shops. Like I, I think there are parallel, like there are things you can draw from that and they're helpful. And I understand why it happens. Like it's a traditional thing, but I think it's much more helpful to, um, when you're first getting started, you don't have real clients, right? So like you have to create an amalgamation of someone. You have to. So I understand that. But what I always urge people to do is think much less about the demographics and like where does someone shop and how old are they and all of those things and much more about like what do they need? What are they actually struggling with? What do they want? Like what are their goals? What are their values? What are their priorities? Those things that actually matter. That's what I like to think about. And then as soon as humanly possible, I think it's really powerful to switch that like ICA to a real person. When you have worked with someone who embodies like a lot of what you want to work with in a person, actually writing, because writing to one person, best thing you can do, right? Like if you're trying to write to everyone, that's the most generic vanilla your copy will ever be. It's terrible. You can't do it because you get all in your head, right? Of like, are they going to think this joke is funny? Are they going to get this pop culture reference? And it takes all the fun and all the personality and all the sparkle like out of your writing if you're trying to appeal to a mass group of people so writing one person is super super important but I find it much more valuable to be a real person yeah yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense um and it makes sense too you know especially when you're starting out you're like all right who's who is the ideal client I want to work with um but then once you have those clients it's like oh you know Samantha was a really good client. I'm just going to talk to all the Samanthas out there. Exactly. And sometimes you're not exactly sure what it is and that's okay. Like I, I think you can kind of have an, un, you know, and I think the more you can identify and actually understand and the more people you work with, the easier that gets. Um, but it's okay to just be like, I'm going to talk, I'm going to write like I'm talking to this specific person and it's going to attract, right, other people who are like her. And I may not know exactly why yet, but as I work through it, I'm going to figure out. The other thing I will say is when it comes to like ideal client avatar and all of that stuff, I do think we also grossly underestimate 
how important it is to figure out both sides of like who we want to serve, but also who we are designed to serve. Mm. And so I call that like, like I call it the most, your most aligned client. And so, yeah, it's the overlap between who you want to serve, but also who you are created or designed or like intended, like who you are set up to serve because sometimes those don't overlap. Um, like sometimes we want something that we're actually not like most ideally suited for. And so I think when you can look at it from both sides of the equation of like, what do I want, but also who needs me um, and find where those overlap, that's when you can get really effective in your copy and also just like have a much more fulfilling work experience because you're working with people who are truly aligned with you on a number of levels and like you're doing a better you're doing better work they're happier it's like a you know a never-ending cycle of goodness I guess yeah so when you're talking about alignment I assume that your own not values but kind of your own your own priorities and your 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 nature your values plays into it somehow a hundred percent so here's the thing yeah I (laughs) may want and i'll just use as an example i'll use myself like i want to serve um maybe it's like really highly motivated like go-getter like sales obsessed people right but maybe i and this is true like i am a very laid back very chill person who does not hold people's hands i do not have a very complex like client system that's not me right so like I have to I can't I'm not the right person so my like mm, freedom and like relaxation and like laid back fun chill vibes like those are all things that are very very important to me like at a intrinsic like those are very important to me (laughs) so like I don't want to serve high maintenance clients they are not like those clients are not actually high maintenance. They're not, they're high maintenance to me. Cause that's not how I interact. Right. There are so many other people who have like 35 steps on their onboarding process mm-hmm. and they hold your hand and you're getting updates every day. And like, that is what they're amazing at. And that's what they want to do. And that's how, like, and those people are a perfect fit. That client is not going to be high maintenance to them at all. Right. If someone, if I tried to work with someone who had that many steps, like that stresses me out to no end. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not going to enjoy that, right? From a client side. And then also from a service provider side, I I can't, I've tried so many times to create complex systems and like, they don't work. I don't need them to do my best work, right? So I have to find, yes, like that's very important to me. And so I have to find people who share that similar vibe or value or experience um because then they're not going to be let down by what I provide and I'm not going to be frustrated by what they need so yeah yes alignment yes um this podcast is all about the ease and finding ease in our businesses and our minds and our bodies and so complicated system just sounds like something if I needed it I would get someone else to do it (laughs) because it doesn't sound like something that brings in ease. Now I say that, but you know, 
obviously you need some 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 practices and some things so that you're not doing busy work all the time. Absolutely. Um, but totally understand what you're saying. Finding finding the way that you work best and then attracting the clients that also align with the way that you work so that you can find that little happy marriage. Really quick, I wanted to hop in and mention something. So you know that my journey with all of this mind, body, and business-related stuff started with a little mindfulness practice, a little, a little pre-work routine, if you will, because I used to start my day from a place of, I've got to get everything on my list done, sit down and work from that tight emotional place to kind of setting the stage and setting the scene for my workday, lighting a candle, closing my eyes, all of that stuff. Well, I've put together a little free tool for you that will help you to create your own workday warm-up. So if you head to heysomaria.com, you can take a little quiz and you will leave that short quiz with a way to warm up your workday that's most authentic to you. Again, go to heysomaria.com. That's H-E-Y-S-O-Maria.com. Yeah, absolutely. And this is like a thing I teach, right? And um, I I teach the process of finding your most aligned client. And it really is like understanding your strengths, um, understanding your quirks, because sometimes our quirks and things we want to hide are actually like the reason people want to work with us um, and really tapping into like what matters most. And so you know, a lot of times we say things like, oh, I want to work with people who, um, I don't know, like are organized. And then when I really think about that, like how important is that really? Right. So like you can't have 10 priorities, but you can have three. And so I really help people to like go through their own values, their own needs, and then actually like kind of rank them and figure out like mm. what do we really want to focus on and what can we is this a deal breaker or not? Right. So certain things are a deal breaker for me, but then certain things like might not be my absolute ideal, but like, no one, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect client. So yeah, I think it's a process for sure. But like, it's definitely, definitely makes you know, it's okay if you don't get my Schitt's Creek references, but it's not okay if you expect me to have a 35 part system or whatever it is, like the deal breaker. Yes. Yes. yes exactly. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> So what is what is that disconnect that happens? You know, you mentioned people will will be able to use their voice in certain contexts, but when it comes to a sales page or like asking for the, you know, asking for the dollars, what happens to us or what's that common trip up that you see where people just like bleh, like you said, like the word salad comes out or it just we just kind of freeze. What what why is that? You know, it's a really good question. I think it's I think they're, I think it's multi-layered. So one, I think we've seen other people who we perceive as successful write sales pages that sound like that. We've seen like, right, there's, there are phrases and things that are like cliches for a reason because people use them. And so I do think there's part of that is like, we've seen things come before us and you're like, well, I'm going to emulate this because it's working for this person. So I think that's part of it. But I think the deeper reason is really, we're just like, I don't know if we're conditioned to be ashamed of selling or scared of selling. Everyone I meet, everyone wants, like, I I use this phrase all the time in my marketing and it's like non-salesy sales, right? Or like mm. sales that don't feel gross. Because let's be honest, 
there are sales process, like there are sales experiences that do feel gross, that are um, just not, not enjoyable and are literally a money grab, right? We've all probably been on the receiving end of that. And so I think that's what people are really afraid of. And so by the best buy experience where people are just like trying to sell like you're all you want is this cable that you came in for and like they're trying to sell you a TV screen or something and, and a war and a and a nine year warranty for your USB cable. And you're like, you know, it was $40. I think I'll probably <laughs> just buy this USB. Cable. I mean, I don't even know how much USB cable costs. Right? <laughs> but, but yes, exactly. And so it's like no one likes that and so I think we're on our guard and I think too it comes from a really I think okay so sometimes people will talk about like selling and like you've got to be more confident and it's like a problem with you I think it actually comes from a positive place in people I have found that people who really care and like genuinely want to provide value and really do have like I don't know, altruistic like motivations. Those are the people who are the most afraid of selling often because like they actually care. I think if you really don't care, you're like, whatever, I'll send you 47 emails a day. Like I'll do whatever. Like I'm just gonna write, like get all this out there. Um, And so I think it really does come from a positive place of like wanting to do good in the world, wanting to make an impact, like wanting to value people's time and money um but a lot of times we let that hold us back from showing up and I think too there's this like I don't know it's probably not a conscious belief but that um we're not good enough or like if I show up as myself right if I like show up a little messy a little um unpolished a little silly then I'm not taken seriously and if someone doesn't take me seriously they're not going to buy from me and so I think it's that desire it's we always so many sales pages um flip to like passive voice because Mm -hmm. we use passive voice when we are trying to sound smarter or more confident because it's more academic right I think like it takes I use passive voice a lot when I was writing my thesis because it took up a lot more words (laughs) and so that I think that happens to us when we write sales pages and so um yeah it's like that passive voice that desire to be taken seriously and there's a there's a there's a belief that right like personable and fun and quirky and you you that all that sparkly goodness like doesn't equal respect or trust or authority when actually it's the exact opposite so people trust this is a a female problem too because we want to be our sparkly unique selves but this like like more masculine like businessy side is like well you can't do that because who's gonna take you whatever made up reasons yeah absolutely seriously exactly yeah and there's a lot of I mean you know it's it's systemic and there's so much that goes into it but there is a real I think belief that you can't be feminine and powerful you can't be silly and make a million dollars you can't be all of these things and not that anyone has to be one thing you know I'm pretty like goofy I'm also super direct like we all contain multitudes and that's what that is your superpower like when it comes to selling the all of those pieces that sometimes don't even seem like they should go together 
that is what you're like that is what people are looking for um and we tamp it down and we erase it and we like you know yeah spit out the word salad because we feel like that's what sells and it's not really true yeah yeah I can also really relate to something you said about, you know, when you, when, when you have good, good motivations, like those are the people that have the hardest time selling because I see, and this is kind of like in my content, not even just in sales, but definitely both. It's like, I don't want to be the lawyers who are like, here's all the scary stuff that's going to happen to you if you don't, you know, hire a lawyer. So it's that like trip up of like, I want to help, but I don't want to be this. I don't want this messaging to be my messaging, you know? Exactly. Well, exactly. And I mean, and it is hard. Like, I think it's, I think we're kidding ourselves if we act like this is something very simple. Like, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It is, you're always, I think, walking a line. I think there is a balance because there also is too much personality. Um, That's not a popular thing to say, but I believe that that is true. I have also, word salad sales pages, I have also read some where I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, there's, you know, so much slang and like funny things and puns. And like, I love a good pun, but like, there's also a time and a place and there's so much poured into it that it just also feels really off-putting. Um, the truth is clear is best always, right? Um, I know people say like clear is kind. Like if you want to be a kind selling person be super clear be super clear and like you can bring your personality to that and it's really important but at the end of the day like the clarity is what matters yeah yeah um I would love to leave the listeners with some kind of like first step or easy thing that they can do if it's like a self-reflection or a something when they're starting to think about their copy and kind of letting some more of their um their values or their authenticity into their copy yeah um so I think a really powerful practice is to actually write things down so so much about our values our beliefs our um brand voice like that's what lives in our head. And I think that sometimes we feel like if we curate it, it's less authentic or less like real or honest. Um, but your brand voice is intentional. So I don't, in my regular life, I, you know, talk really fast. I use a lot of silly abbreviations. Like mm-hmm. I, um, you know, sometimes curse. Like there are things that I do in my personal way I speak that like I don't choose to bring to my brand like they don't fit my brand and I am intentional about how I show up as a business and it it is um connected it's it right it overlaps a lot with my regular voice because you can't craft a a completely entirely different personality but there are things that are separate so it's okay to be intentional so I would say the best thing you can do is to write down your core values in your business, those do not have to be the same core values that drive your personal life. Um, Again, overlap, probably. You're not creating an entirely different thing, but really as a business, what are those, you know, three to five core values that everything you do is grounded in? Um, And then why? So I think, 
you can identify, right? So maybe you really value honesty, but spend some time thinking about why. Because your motivation, it's kind of like the Enneagram where actions can look the same, but your motivation is wildly different. And it's actually that motivation that kind of helps you understand yourself better. I think it's the same here. So what are those core values, but why? Why are those the things that things that matter? And actually write it down. Um, you know, set a timer for like 20 minutes and give yourself time to really think about it. Um, and then I think also answering the question, how do I want to be perceived as a business, as a brand, as a business owner? However, you're like title, you know, however you think of yourself. How do I want others to perceive me? And actually like write that out um, because that's a really good check because when you are putting, you know, maybe you're putting together a social media caption and this stuff becomes more second nature the more you practice it, but you do kind of have to be intentional. So maybe you're writing like a caption and then you go and you read that and you're like, I want people to perceive me as fun, right? Maybe that's something you wrote down. So then you can look, read it and be like, there is nothing funny here. I'm going to add some emojis. I'm going to add a silly reference. I'm going to, you know, lighten it up somehow. And you can actually like reverse engineer it, right? And like give yourself, a, not like a formula, but give yourself something to reference and a goal. And then actually like, you know, as you're writing things, maybe you're writing an email, check what you how you said you wanted to be perceived um be really honest I think that's the other thing is like when you're doing this this is for you no one's gonna read this um so for a long time I had a deep desire to be perceived as I professional and organized is the only way to say it mm -hmm. I'm like I'm just not no, I'm amazing at my job I am very smart but I am not an organized polished person and I had to give that up and instead embrace, like I had a, a mantra I would always say that was like, um, I am messy and a mega success, right? And it's oh, like, I like that. <laughs> we had to move, we had to accept it. Like we had to move into that. And so when you're thinking of how you want to be perceived, be realistic. How do you, what actually, right? Like that alignment again, like what actually works? But I think answering those um, core values, why? And then how do I want to be perceived? I think those are really powerful. Um, and don't just think about it. Actually write it down. Um, I would write it in a journal with a real pen, but you can write it in a Google Doc or a note <laughs> or wherever. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. I think that's a great reflection. And I so appreciate you sharing, you know, your own like polished and organized versus like the clients that you might attract if you if you double down on that, when that's not really truly number one, who you are and number two, who you want to attract. Exactly. And then I'm going to be, well, I've done this. I've attracted those people. And then I've been incredibly stressed out by like, how do I actually, like, I can't. Are they happy? Am I doing enough for them? Yeah, absolutely. And I had, you know, I had some experiences with, there's one in particular that really sticks out in my mind of someone who was basically like the finished product was amazing. I'm so happy with the work you created, but I felt so alone and so um, uninformed and just like left by the wayside. And they were, and I, I really, really value honest feedback, like across the board, because what I learned from that was actually so much more about me than about them. Right. It was like, oh, I'm not doing a good job. 
setting expectations, right? And I am like, this was probably like, there are questions I ask people now and things I say like very upfront in a sales call. Um, like I tell people like, I'm not going to hold your hand. I do not check in. I tell you when something is delivered. If you need me, I'm so accessible, like come to me, but I will not proactively be reaching out unless I have a question or need something because there's no reason. Right. And yeah. I tell people that, and there are people who are like, Ooh, don't love that. And they will choose not to work with me. And that can feel really scary, but it's so much better. It's so much better for them. They are, if you're going to, someone is going to pay me their hard-earned money. I want them to not only get an amazing like result, but enjoy the process and feel seen and taken care of. Right. That's wildly important to me. So I'm much happier, even though in the moment it kind of stings. Like it does. I'm not going to lie. I'm not like, yeah, oh, go find someone else. Like, oh. right. You know, I lost a couple thousand dollars, like, or someone I really like think I would love working with. And if they don't feel like I'm the right person, it's always better. So I actually learned a lot, right? That was hard. That was hard feedback to hear. I had to like take some time and process it and actually like work through, you know, some defensiveness and all of that. But it actually really helped me. I haven't had that happen, right? Since I got that feedback, that has yeah. not happened again. And I don't think that's an accident. Yeah, that's the value of it. For sure. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. How can people find you? Where can we find you and get in touch with you? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at Emily Writes Well. That's also my website, emilywriteswell.com. Um, those are the two main places. I am launching a YouTube channel soon. So Ooh. yeah, that might actually be live. So you can find me on YouTube. Um, you can go ahead if it's not totally active, I think you can go ahead and like subscribe. There's some really exciting stuff that's coming. It's all like super actionable, um, very bite-sized, like here's one specific thing. Here's how to do it. Here's some great tips. Like I'm very, very excited. So that'll be coming soon. Um, and that's pretty much right. Yay. I'm all about the bite size. That's going to be so exciting. Well, I'll definitely drop the link um, to your YouTube channel. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me. I love Emily so much. And I hope that you loved listening to that conversation. And if you did, I would love for you to quickly rate and maybe review the podcast. It helps so much. And share it on social media if you like. And tag me at Hey So Maria. Thanks. I'll see you next time.